1: Today, our guest is author and award winning publisher C.K. Collins. She was the owner of a hyperlocal news publishing company in Nashville, Tennessee, and sold her business and retired in 2021.
0: And after experiencing significant loss, Kelly embarked on a two year travel sabbatical to find her new life, new joy, and new love, and then wrote the book, The Swipe Right Effect The Power to Get Unstuck which is a nonfiction memoir that highlights great advice from friends at home and people she met on her travels. We're looking forward to hearing about her journey. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you, really glad to be here. Glad to have you.
1: Please tell us about your background and what happened in your life to change it and how that led you to the <laughs> path you're on today.
2: Well, I, um, my background is in marketing and sales, I uh, I got married at a very young age, 21 years old, and had three incredible daughters by the time I was 29. Wow! And um, and I went from cell phone sales to <laughs> to working in healthcare marketing. Um, eventually, working my way up to run um, an occupational health center at a hospital, and and then um, we moved eight times in 11 years. And so after that particular move, I think that was like move six. Um, we decided I, it was okay for me to stay home with the kids for a little while because we, you know, we were we had been moving quite a bit, and um, so I started freelance writing, and that was really fun. I did all kinds of crazy, like ghost writing. I did helped to do proposals and grants, and um, and then in 2009, I started um, a news publishing business with a partner, um, Susan. And we grew that for five years together. And then she exited the business and I kept growing it and sold it in 2018. Uh And um, I worked there for three years. That was part of my deal. And then I retired in 2021. Uh But stepping back a little bit, 2017, um, my um, husband and I split after a 31 year marriage. And um, it was just like starting over. And I, um, and it was, you know, we were empty nesters. So that was, it was easier on the kids, you know, than I know some families with the young kids, it can be a lot harder, but, and it was hard on all of us. But um, so there was some freedom there to try to build my new life. And I started traveling solo and that was a big game changer for me. And the first solo travel was um, the Camino de Santiago, it's a very spiritual hike in Spain. Mm, yeah. And, um, and that really jumpstarted my new life. And, um, and then after the three years I retired and traveled and wrote a book. <laughs> oh, well, on that note, I'd love to hear more about your book, which is called the
0: swipe right effect, the power to get unstuck. Can you explain the title and tell us about the book?
2: Sure, sure. The title, is, I mean, in dating apps, I mean, a lot of us single people, you know, are back out in the dating world after I hadn't had a date since I was like 20, you know, or 19, 20 years old. So it was quite uh, the journey to figure out how to do that again. Uh-huh. And um, it, it was quite shocking. <laughs> But fun too, really fun. But in the the dating apps, you're when you're holding your looking at your phone, you see the picture of the person that you're considering and you swipe right if you choose them and you swipe left if you don't choose them. And so the name is kind of a play on words because what I what I'm suggesting that people do is swipe right for themselves. And if you choose yourself and you choose to work on yourself. Then the effects of that is a much happier life going forward. And I think whether you get stuck because of divorce or a job change or a job loss, a change in your financial situation, an illness, a death in the family, you know, a lot of people get stuck for different reasons. And I am talking to 10 other women in the book, and they all had different experiences of being stuck. And so each chapter is a little bit of my story and the piece of advice that was given to me. And then I interview my friend who gave me the advice Uh and then they were all wonderful and told their stories of how they learned the advice as well. So anything from, you know, understanding that you are enough and maybe having a self-love mantra to building a vision board to, Uh you know, how to forgive someone. I mean, we have some really serious talks in there and some of them are have some humor as well. (laughs) And then at the end, we come back around to dating. So after you've, you know, kind of heard all of the advice, then we kind of get back to the oh, my not really so much my advice on dating, but what I learned about dating because I think everybody's different, and so to give advice is kind of presumptuous.
1: <laughs> well, but, I'm um, ask but when a little bit about some details, like what kinds of advice yeah. did your friends give you, and the people that you met on your travels gave you advice too.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Three of the stories? women in the book. Sure. Yeah. Um, three of the women are from the Caminos, uh, that the hike that I oh. hiked. So one woman is from South Africa. Um, another one that was from Sweden and another was from Canada. And so these, you know, it's really interesting, the different perspectives and the different, uh, backgrounds that all of these women had. One of them, um, is Allison in the book. Everybody has a, uh, pseudo name. (laughs) Uh I didn't use their real name so that they could talk freely. And um, Allison gives the piece of advice to, you know, could you think of this a little bit differently? You know, this is going to look different a year from now. And then she just looks at me and says, this is going to look different a month from now, a week from now, a day from now. You know, don't look at the situation that you're in right now. This is temporary. Every situation you will ever be in in your life is temporary. And you have mm-hmm. to you have to take a step back and reframe it, so that you can take a step forward, or you, or take a you know hundred steps forward. And so I think that was really beautiful advice to just you know understand that what where you are right now, even though you are stuck, is not where you're going to be in the future. I think, but you, know, you do really, have to make that choice.
1: I think that's really good because I uh, looking back on some things in my life, I just sort of thought that was kind of permanent. And guess what? It isn't. It isn't. Right. Everything changes.
2: <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so
1: and true. Um,
2: yeah. And I'll say another one that I just love, this story. I went and told my sister-in-law about what was happening, that we were splitting. And um, she came to my office later that day, and she brought me a bracelet. And it said, you are enough. She sat down and told me a story about her friend who had split with her husband. Um, there had been an infidelity in their marriage, and you know they had tried to go back, get back together, and it, it kept happening over and over again. And finally, the woman just said to herself, "I am enough. You know, I should be enough. I shouldn't have to put up with this. You know." And mm-hmm. um, Melissa told me that story, and then I interviewed that woman. She's in chapter two, and chapter two is called "You Are Enough." And I think to just, but that little simple gift of that bracelet and me looking down at my wrist multiple times a day, you are enough. You know, she thought I was enough. That was enough for me in that moment that, you know, and I I think the whole point of all of this is when you accept your friend's uh, perspective as well as their advice, because they can see you in a different light than you can see yourself Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you're in pain and you're hurting, and you're stuck, and all you can see is that. And so I think that's why I feel like my friends just saved me, and my family too, but these, in particular, these friends, just the poignant advice they gave me at that particular moment, they said it to me, you know, it really was a game changer.
0: So kind, and it helped you reframe your,
2: your point of view. For sure, yeah, and Um, and then, you know, uh, chapter one is about vision, you know, being able to have a vision for yourself. And, um, I met her on the trail in Spain and, um, her name is Brandy in the book. And she just said, you know, have you ever done a vision board? And I was like, no, I've heard of those. And, you know, I still talk to people about it and they still roll their eyes at me, but, Um, I, you know, I was like, well, I'm kind of only have a backpack. I I didn't bring a cork board with me and I don't have a poster board. (laughs) Like, how am I going to do a vision board on the trail? And she said, open your phone and open your notes app. And she said, just start making a list of words, things that are important to you, things that you like to do, things you want to do with your children. And she, and so I was like, oh, okay. Words. I can do words. I'm a writer. (laughs) I can do that. And, and that was just the, the beginning of a really wonderful exercise that lasted the seven weeks of hiking on the Camino because I was started talking to people about it. Like, this is actually fun. This is good. Do you have a vision board? And you know, people give me ideas for different things. But, um, but that woman from Sweden really helped me. That was the second day of 38 days. And it gave me this. It opened my mind to having a vision for myself, which I had six uninterrupted weeks to think about. And so it was like the perfect timing, the perfect, you know, saying. (laughs) And um, yeah, so she ended up being chapter one. (laughs) Wow. That's great advice for everybody. Thank you. Tell us more about
0: your travels. You went to the Camino, but where else did you go? And also, if you would add, what it was like to do solo travel. A lot of people are afraid to do that. And how do you feel it empowered you?
2: Wow, great questions. Um, Well, the Camino was, you know, the first time and that was seven weeks. So I really got into good habits and I learned a lot about doing it, you know, by myself, but I was also surrounded by other pilgrims. Um, that's what they call the hiking, <laughs> the hikers on yeah. the trail. And, um, so when I went out on my own in 2021, it was, you know, I had, it was three, it had been four years since I had done the Camino and I was planning on doing my second Camino in the middle of that year. And, um, and some of the time I wasn't alone. I, I did do a sailing rally from Los Angeles to La Paz, Mexico with a crew, a five. Whoa. I was the only girl <laughs> on a crew of five. Uh, That's woman, a huge sorry. endeavor. As yeah. is It, the was, Camino. it the was super exciting. Caminos. Did you do the whole Camino?
0: Isn't it like 500 miles long? It's 500 miles, right? Yes.
2: Yeah. It's it's, a, it's an incredible experience. I wish everybody could do it. And there are shorter ones. There's The second one I did um, a year ago, right now, um, I was there and I, that was only 180 miles. So it was a little bit different. I could do it in two weeks. So I did that. I went, to, um, I went to Buenos Aires by myself, not speaking Spanish, <laughs> and decided I was going to take tango lessons. And so that I took tango lessons and Spanish lessons <laughs> while I was there. But I met people from all over the world there too because there's just this whole community of people that want to learn Tango. And so it was really quite amazing. I never got any good, but I had a blast.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> it's hard. And,
2: it's harder than people think it is. Oh, it is so wow. incredibly hard. And you know, to try to get up there after you've only been doing it for a week or two weeks is incredibly intimidating because everybody else in the room has been doing it their whole lives. <laughs> yeah. So, but, so it was, it was a really courage builder for me. I was very proud of myself that, that I put myself out there. Um, sometimes I was just sitting there going, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> but, but it, you know, it turned out great. And um, where else did I go? I did, I went hiking by myself in Patagonia. I went to four different places in Patagonia and I saw just incredible lakes and um, the southernmost point of South America. It's just incredibly beautiful, the South penguins. <laughs> uh-huh. And then I did Portugal and Spain and Italy. Yeah. And so that yeah. was fun. And Italy I did with a girlfriend. Uh, she had just retired and she was like, I need you to show me how to travel. <laughs> so, and and so you So now did. she can go do it. Yeah. So she can go by herself now or I go well, with her anytime. But
1: <laughs> well, great.
0: It, 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 do you think it, it healed you and, and helped
2: you find a new you that you hadn't met before? Absolutely. And, and that's why I try to encourage people to go. My, my second book is going to be called The Traveling Effect, and it's going to be about solo travel. You know, there's a lot of people who have been married for a long time. I, mean, I had been married for 31 years. When I traveled, I traveled with my family or my husband. I didn't ever travel by myself. And, um, I started doing some travel for work where I would go to conferences by myself, but then I'm still around colleagues. You know, it's not exactly by myself trying to find a restaurant by myself or any of that kind of stuff. But what I found, and I think this is why part of it is, is healing is when you travel alone, I think, especially as a woman, people reach out to you. There is just this, this, um, tenderness or something inside, especially if they know you're speaking English, you're in Italy or you're in Spain or Portugal, they reach out to you and they want to make sure you're okay. You know, are you all right? You know, especially if they speak any kind of English, they want to check on me. And I ended up meeting people from all over the world because of that, you know, just people's openness and willingness. I guess when a woman is by herself, she's just not as intimidating. as maybe. You know, a group of people traveling, or a man traveling by himself. But, but I've talked to a lot of men that also have had that same experience with solo travel. So I think what it makes you is approachable, and Mm -hmm. and I found an experience that you know people wanted to interact with me, from young people to older people, and some people just really wanted to make sure I was okay. (laughs) It was so really an old member, an older couple in Santiago they watched me they like toasted a glass of wine and then the man had to come over and check on me you know and the and the wife's just like it's okay it's okay and i was like no i'm fine i'm really okay sitting by myself thank you <laughs> they wanted me to join them but they were Austro- they were austrian i couldn't have understood a word they said anyway <laughs> oh
1: yeah. yeah well divorce or loss of a loved one is is life changing so How did you get stuck and what did you do to recover from that besides travel? Anything else?
2: Well, I think that there are a lot of ways to get unstuck. Um, I did do some therapy. I hiked, you know, literally a thousand miles because I, I hiked about 500 miles before I went on the Camino and I just would walk. I would set up walks because I had to do long walks, so it was you know I was doing eight to twelve mile walks just training for it, uh-huh. and so I would have one friend come for the first four miles, and another friend for the th- second four miles, and a third friend, and I think just opening my heart up and opening my mind up to to listening to them, and I called it walking therapy, and um, and I just I am lucky I had really great friends, and then um, I did do a lot of workshops. I wasn't a very good self-help person before this. And really one of the things that changed that for me was audible or being able to listen to an audiobook. I I I realize I absorb things much better either through listening to it in my car or watching a video. Um I you know there's certain authors that just really resonate with me um like Brené Brown, any of her books, she's mm-hmm. amazing. Catherine Woodward Thomas has an amazing workshop called calling in the one. And so if you're, if you're single and you know, you're trying to figure out like, why am I having some bad cycles with dating? Why do I, why do I keep making the same mistakes? And she really walks you through all of those things that you might be doing to, you know, cause damage to your own relationships. And so I had some real, aha moments with that one. But I think there's just, I just have really gotten interested in um, consciousness and mindfulness. And I read a book called The Secret um, Mm. by Rhonda Byrne, and that's all about the law of attraction. And, And I have, it's just opened my mind to how much more control I have over my life, my own happiness with my thoughts. And, you know, I can't control what's going on out in the world, but I can control what's going on here and and in my heart. And and so just kind of having that recognition that if I'm angry or I'm sitting here in pain, the only thing that's going to keep coming to me is more anger and more pain because it's the I'm attracting. That's what I'm attracting. And I have a really good friend, chapter four and five, (laughs) Loretta. Who she introduced me to the secret, and I ended up listening to it, and I found the words that I needed to to let things go, to forgive, and move on. And it really was just this huge aha moment. Driving to, driving through Pennsylvania on my way up to Boston, and um, and so I think if people want or will invest time in themselves, invest time in doing. You know, I have empowerment practices in the book and if you do, if, you know, whatever book you pick up, but take the advice and listen to the advice, see if it works for you. Sometimes it will, sometimes it won't, but it's just really important to dive into, you know, swiping right for yourself, choose yourself Mm -hmm. and get, and start taking steps forward. You have the power to choose. If you don't choose, you're going to stay right where you are.
0: Yeah, I I keep that book by my side and I reread it quite often, The Secret. And um, it really is what you think about all the time is what you attract. And so if you're thinking about negative things, that's what's coming your way. And if you think positive uh, thoughts, then those will come your way and that Mm -hmm. will come into your life.
1: And Mary and Um, I have talked to each other about the fact that what we've been attracting. To, to these interviews for our podcast is people that speak about mindfulness and vision boards and creativity mm. and self-care and we're getting a lot of we said is it too much we're going no we're attracting this now this is coming to us for a reason yeah yeah Yeah. Oh,
2: I love that yeah
1: yeah it's really it's important it's so
0: true It's so true. Yeah, Um, that's that's wonderful advice that you gave to our our audience and to us. Do you have more advice about examining your own state of stuckness, as you call it, (laughs) and how to get past it?
2: Well, I think that um, a lot of people, when they're stuck, it's it can also be because they can't forgive, and Ah. I know that feeling. (laughs) I know that feeling. It was it was really difficult for me to take that final step to forgive. And a very dear friend of mine, Kay, gave me a book called The Art of Forgiving. And it's by Lewis Smeads. And it provided a framework for me to lay out my steps of forgiveness. There's a three, three stages of forgiveness. And you know, the first one is basically being able to see the person as a human. You know, they they're human, they made a mistake. We all make mistakes, and we're all human. How can you look at them and see their humanity? And I, I could look at. I just I had this when I read that. I had this flash of my ex husband and I at our daughter's engagement party, and he just had this look on his face, like, what have you know? You could tell he was just feeling that there. You know, he was feeling his mistake. And I, that was really the first time I kind of had empathy for him. And so when I read that, I applied that moment of empathy. And I was like, okay, stage one, you know, and stage two and stage three. But I, I think that there's, I think most people who've been wronged or been hurt um, get stuck at forgiveness. And so I, I that was the, I, I'll say that was the hardest chapter for, for me to write but it was the secret that gave me the, the original words to, to, and it was, um, I forgive you. I release you. I want you to be happy. And it was Mm. that third part that was really hard for me. (laughs) But, um, even though I was finding my way to happiness, it was just kind of, Mm. and that, and that second stage, you know, is basically giving up the right to vengeance. And when Mm. I could say, I release you and I want you to be happy, that, was, it was like, I, I just kind of lifted off the ground. It was just amazing. You know, and stage three is reframe, just like Allison said back in chapter four, you know, reframe the situation. How, how can you think of this differently? And it's just beautiful. I mean, it's his work, not mine, but I, you know, I was able to apply that and I could see, and I was, I could see that I was ready. I, I would, I had hit the stage, where I could mo- finally move on and be happy and say, I want you to be happy. And so I just, I, I hope people will, I mean, what, whether it's my book or Lewis Smead's book or anybody's book, you know, if you're feeling stuck, think about that. Am I, am I harboring some kind of resentment or anger or pain? Because people would say, I, th- I think you may still be angry. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm just still hurting. And so, you know, their interpretation of what they were seeing and was different from how I was interpreting what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. I wasn't feeling it all the time, it, you know, it would just kind of sneak up on me. And uh, so I, th- I think that's um, that's important to just take a look and see, am I in need of forgiving someone? And And I end my chapter on forgiveness saying I had to forgive myself. I stayed in mm-hmm. a place where I wasn't happy and it was... That's, that was my biggest lesson from the Camino was, yes, I had to forgive my ex-husband, but I had to forgive myself for l- allowing myself to be unhappy for so long.
0: Yeah. You know, that's so interesting because there's another um, way to move on that as well, because um, I think what I mean to say is that it also happens when a loved one dies and you're yeah. angry with them for dying. And right. that's, that's harder to, you can forgive, but mm. you can't wish them happiness. It's, it's, uh, right. it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Well, yeah.
2: It's, yeah. It's very difficult. And especially, you know, when you lose a child and, and I, and I do have a, cra- a chapter on grief and I talked to three women, one lost her husband to cancer, one lost in a terrible motorcycle accident, one lost her son to suicide at the age of 17. And so Ooh. they, they address it more beautifully than I ever could because they have lived it. And, yeah. um, yes, I had grief for my divorce, but nothing like losing a child, you know, that's a, um, a totally different thing. And they give, they give great advice in that chapter. And yes. I, I needed them for that because they, um, they were so brutally honest about how hard it is, but
1: that's so hopeful true. too. So super. I can't wait to look at this book. And let's talk yeah. a little bit about dating now. What things do you recommend we do before we date? <laughs> <laughs> this would be good advice for us because we've both lost our husbands. Oh, I'm so sorry. So yes. I'm away I... from dating. I'm not ready. Yeah. That yet, yeah. But give us some advice. Yeah. What do you recommend?
2: Well, I do think that you need to choose yourself first. I think you need to walk through, especially with grief, you know, the different stages of grief. And we, if you read anything about it, you know it's not linear. You don't just go yeah. stage one, stage two, stage three. You go in and out of those five, six stages, and, and it's very difficult. But I, I have three really good friends in Newport who are widows, and I think they stick together. And I think that's really helpful to have a sounding board of another widow. Or someone who has um, also experienced grief. And I've talked to them about that a lot. I think that's why, you know, sometimes divorced women um, will, you know, say, let's meet once a month for a glass of wine or once a week for a glass of wine, whatever, that you find that support. Because um, one friend, um, Annie, said to me, I didn't want to talk to anybody that hadn't lost their spouse. Like I did, I didn't want to hear any advice from anybody. I only wanted somebody who understood exactly how I was feeling and, you know, and now she's 10 years out and she's in a totally different frame of mind, but it's, it's, I think you surrounding yourself with people who understand is incredibly important and allowing yourself that time. And I think that's why I say, choose yourself because, um, it's, it's not easy work. And when, when you do choose yourself before you start dating, then you, as Catherine Woodward Thomas says in her workshop, um, you, you become who you want to date and you're going to put that out into the world. You know, if you are, this is what I want. Empathy. I want kindness. I want somebody who will love my children. I want somebody who wants to live by the ocean, you know, and you, you end up saying, these are what I want. And at the end of that workshop, she says, now go be those things. And so if you really take the time to work out what you want, I was really good at figuring out what I didn't want. I wasn't very good at figuring out what I did. (laughs) And so I think that was the real, really important step to get to. And that took the time. I had to choose myself. And yes, I retired and had a year to go travel And um, I feel like I'm still kind of traveling because I'm from Nashville, but I live in Newport, Rhode Island by the ocean right now while I'm writing. And, um, and that's been, you know, that was, that was a big part of choosing myself was I need to go take this time and do this. And, and I have two kids who live in the Northeast. And so that was kind of the reason I chose to go that direction after I stopped traveling abroad, but it, it. It, meant, it means everything to me that, that I took that time, that I, that I could give myself that time, too, is really um, important. And, but even if you're working, you know, 12-hour shifts as a nurse or a teacher, it's still important to take that time and find a way to do it, whatever that I, looks like for you. I have to ask you what dating
0: apps you'd recommend to our audience.
2: <laughs> um, I like Bumble um, the best there, um, I've heard a lot of people find somebody on match. I, I, um, there was just one little thing I didn't like about match. And that was just that other people who didn't fit my parameters of who I was looking for could still approach me. And I just, I, that was just the one little thing I didn't like. And maybe I did something wrong, you know, that it didn't work. Um, I've had friends who like hinge, um, have not tried that. one. um, And I have friends who've been on Tinder, but that they didn't have great experiences there. I think it was more of a hookup site. (laughs) So, uh, but I I like Bumble because the woman has the power to make the choice and they Uh can't reach out to you until you reach out to them. And that was just really comforting to me to know I could take my time and, um, and I like to go slow. I don't like to be talking to eight different people at one time. I'd rather talk to one person see how it's going. And then if that's not working on you know, it was nice to meet you and move on. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm not into dating like eight people at once. It's, I got too much going on for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: Well, what five things did you quit doing to find your
2: happiness? Did I quit doing? Oh gosh. Well, I quit trying to be a hero. That was that was probably my biggest thing. Um, How were you a hero? I'm actually writing it. <laughs> well, I felt like I had to be everything to everybody, and you know, I had to entertain. I had to entertain all the time. I had to have the most beautiful yard. I had to be the best employer. I had to be the best mom. I had to be the room mom and the athletic mom and the soccer mom and the dance mom and the piano mom. And I just wanted to be everything to everybody. And I think in my mind. The yeah. more busy I was, the more important I was. And I, it wasn't conscious by any means. But when I look back at my 30 and 40-year-old self, that was how I lived. I, no matter what I was doing, I was all in. And I didn't know how to slow down. And that And a lot of it was I didn't want to let anybody else down. And so that was one of the biggest things I did was stop trying to be a hero. And I had somebody say that to me, actually probably at like 35 years old and I was just totally dismissed it. And now I'm like, wow, she was ahead of the game (laughs) for me figuring that out. Uh, um, And I, I quit trying to live a version of my old life. I, and when I had the opportunity, you know, I was coming up on the three-year mark of having to stay in that job. And I had bought a house after my divorce and I was still surrounded by all of the the photo albums the dishes the cups the um the same frames of the family pictures and it was in the same couch and the same bedroom set and you know it was just like i'm just living a different version of my old life and so i jokingly say i quit my old life <laughs> and i but i did do this crazy thing i i sold my house and i gave away everything before <gasps> i started the year of travel because I That's knew a huge dip. it was a huge, and I don't recommend that for everybody. So please don't everybody go do that. <laughs> but, but, for me, I mean, I was so entrenched because I, I owned the local newspapers. I was so entrenched in these small towns that, um, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't go to the grocery store. I couldn't go anywhere without some kind of familiarity from the public. And, um, and so I, you know, I quit my job. Um, I retired. I quit my life. I sold everything and started a new one. And um, but I but I also quit being hard on myself. I gave myself a break because I was like, "Why? Well, I, I should have been a better wife. I should have been a better mother. I should have I should have been able to keep the company and get divorced. You know, I should have been able to figure out how not to to give away things. You know, I why can't I be stronger and?" when I started seeing myself through my friend's eyes, you are strong. You were smart to give away the business. You needed to start a new life, you know? And then it was like, look how brave you're being, you know, you're going out and traveling the world for a year. And I mean, most people, you know, you work till you're 65 and you, and yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing some very non-conventional things, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) But I, I also did things to prepare my life for that, you know, and my brothers, my financial advisor, highly recommend him. (laughs) But when I said, what if I do this crazy thing, what if I sell everything and I travel for one or two years? And he said, let's take a look. And we just put up like five different scenarios on the whiteboard and, and we picked one. And, uh, I had nine months lead up to, you know, sell the house, uh, moved into a small apartment for just like six months. And then I gave notice at my job and I started planning my travel. So, and it it worked out and I had the support of an amazing family. My family's been great and, and uh, letting me drop in for one or two weeks in their house in Nashville so I can see everybody. But, um, but yeah, it's, it, it also does help to have a lot of support and uh, friends and family. Yeah, you seem
0: to have a lot of support. What about numbers four and five?
1: (laughs) Oh, I, did she's I miss done one? More, she's done eight or nine things she quit.
2: <laughs> I'm Job sure. Life hero. I was being say hard on myself. I think I only did four. I think I only did four. Yeah. No, I quit eating carbs. No. no. Really? No. No. i yeah. no, just joking. <laughs> no, I love bread. No, not giving up carbs. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah.
1: And Kelly, yeah, what yeah. advice would you give our audience as a takeaway from our conversation today?
2: I'm on a mission. (laughs) I want everybody to understand that they have the power to make their lives better. And the power comes from a choice the choice that they make to change their lives, the choice that they make to let the anger go, to forgive, or just to be able to look in the mirror and say, I love you. You know, look in the mirror every day and say, I love you. You are enough. I am enough. And there's some small things that you can do. And in and, and the book, I start small and I kind of build all the way up to, you know, the hard stuff of forgiveness. But it's it's all in your power to choose. And that's what I want people to understand. If you're stuck, you are the only one that can get you out. And that's done with one simple thing, a choice. And, you know, good stuff is on the other side. You just have to make a choice. Mm, Love it. (laughs) Such good advice.
0: Thank you so much, Kelly. Oh, thank you. You're an inspiration to everyone who's experienced loss and want to create themselves. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Our guest today on Late Boomers has been C.K. Collins, former award-winning publisher, world traveler, and author of The Swipe Right Effect, The Power to Get Unstuck, Her advice will empower you and change your life. Follow up with Kelly on her website, ckcollins.co, and she's giving away a white paper called 10 Ways to Get Unstuck, and it has tips on how to get back to a happy life. And check her out on her YouTube channel. Thanks again.
1: And we want to remind our listeners that we now have our own YouTube channel, The Late Boomers Podcast. Please subscribe to that and also please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform so you don't miss any of our weekly episodes and follow us on Instagram at Late Boomers and at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins. We hope that our episode today inspired you to swipe right for yourself and get unstuck and find joy and <laughs> love in your in your own life. And thank you again, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast
0: is also available on Spotify, Apple podcast and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power and impact.